Hashtag Pistons Podcast. We're back. Better than ever. That's probably not actually true, but we are back. Um, we're recording this game, this podcast directly after the Pistons' victory over the Atlanta Hawks. I am Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Truck. I'm joined, as per usual, by Mr. Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. You can also find him on YouTube at Koo's Ballroom. Um, so... We're recording this right after the game. The Pistons won for the second straight game. We didn't actually record after the Boston game, so we may talk about that a little bit if we wanted to. Um, but anyway, second straight win for the Pistons. They beat the Hawks. They actually they slaughtered them, one thirty six to one oh three. So more than a thirty point victory for the Pistons. Um, standout performers: Derrick Rose had a great game, twenty seven points on great efficiency with nine assists against just one turnover. Andre put in a casual sixteen and seventeen. Svi Mikhailuk scored twenty five points on great efficiency. Markeith Morris had a second straight really good game with twenty two points. Um, yeah, I mean it was just really, and it's not shouldn't come as a huge shock because the Hawks are legitimately terrible. Like, they are, like, the Pistons are bad, but the Pistons are kind of a normal level of bad. The Hawks are absolutely awful. So, not a huge shock that this was the result. Also, the Hawks were on the second night of a back-to-back, whereas the Pistons had had not played in two days. So, yeah, not a huge shock, but the Pistons obliterated them. Uh, So, I don't know. Uh, Coop, whatever you want to start us off with, you can start us off with, and we'll just go from there. There's not much to talk about with this Hawks game. The Hawks are just really bad. The Pistons are better than them. Nothing shocking. Really? That That's all you got to say? About the Hawks game, yes. I mean, I'm not taking anything from this Hawks game. They're just, they're really bad. We're better than they are. We're bad, but we're just a better bad than they are. Okay. What about this main Sfima Kyluk? Second straight really good game. We've talked about him... It's a little bit unfortunate because we kind of we've talked about him a lot the past couple of podcasts because we're but now he's had a couple of really good games in a row. Um, is there anything extra there that you see that you wanna? I mean, if you really that's all you got to say, then I can I can say some stuff. I mean, Spree has been feeling it when he gets he has I saw it a couple of times in the summer. He gets into the zone sometimes where he just starts launching whatever he catches and it's just it's just like a flamethrower. Yeah, he's obviously feeling himself a little bit. I think Derrick Rose is doing a lot better job of finding his shooters when they're open recently the past two games. And Spree's benefiting off of that. So I think I think just the main thing to take away from this game and, and the Boston game is that the Pistons have gotten two good wins recently when their young players are playing really well. I mean, Sekou didn't play well tonight, but you get Svee, yeah, Christian Wood played really well. I mean, so, like, you've had standout performances from each one of your young guys in these past couple games. So that's, like, what you really want to look forward to. Well, Christian Wood playing well was a nice change of pace. We can actually talk about him for a moment. So he has really struggled recently. Um, I'm going to bring up the numbers here a sec. But so, and this has been one of the main things to watch for him this season that he's been doing that is like, I'm not sure that's going to hold up as he's been mostly a pretty good three point shooter. Um, his career G league three point shot is like 29% on pretty high volume. So I was skeptical that that would hold up. Um, and he's also had some other issues, but so over the last, um, let's see here over the last 11 games, 
He's shooting just 46% from the field and 29% from three. Uh, his plus-minus is also brutal. Like, the lineup numbers are absolutely miserable with that. Um, after when he first busted fully into the rotation, his on-off numbers were killer for a while there, and they've gone completely the other direction. Um, some people have suggested that, even though he's obviously not a rookie, that it's basically the equivalent of him hitting the rookie wall because he's already played more minutes by far. I think he's already played double the number of NBA minutes that he ever has in his career in a single season. So it would make a degree of sense with that. And it would just it's just good to see him have a game where... Now, he only shot one of three from deep, so that regression continues. But it is good to see him have a nice outing just because he clearly had been having some issues recently. So it'd be nice if he could string, you know, play well tonight and then maybe play well the next few games, sort of string together a few good games so that he's just sort of clearly back on the right track. Because even though, and we've both said this, not totally convinced that he's necessarily um, necessarily a long-term building block, if that makes sense. But, I see you, Koo. But, He's certainly fun, right? Like, there's no denying that. He's the kind of guy that even if he's not necessarily a central building block, if the Pistons are going to suck for the next couple of years, it'll be nice to have a guy who occasionally has monster dunks on the team. So it's nice to see him get things going a little bit. Um, And then you brought this up too, but also I guess we should touch on it. This was, I would say, pretty easily the worst game that Seku has had since he got the starting job. And... It, there, there was a degree to which he was. it almost looked out of character for him. He seemed like he was forcing things a little bit too much, I thought. Uh, and so the numbers were he had four points on nine shot equivalents, just one of eight from the field. He shot one of four from deep. He only had four rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. The one positive is he only had one personal foul, so one of his issues that he's had where he just fouls way too much, that obviously didn't happen here. But... I just thought that he he seemed like he was forcing things a little bit too much. There was like there was one play where he got the ball and he tried to shoot a step back three on the court from the kind of the wing, and I don't think that he needs to be doing that yet. Um, was there anything in Seku's game tonight that you saw that you want to bring up? I think that uh, kind of looked like to me at least that he was a bit tired. Uh, I mean. He's been so pretty, so good in his first like couple games, just in the NBA, let alone as a starter. That people forget that like he's a rookie. I mean, they don't forget that he's a rookie. It's just that you know he's gonna have struggles in his rookie season, and this was gonna come sooner or later. Like he wasn't gonna be perfect and play this well forever. It was gonna be a bump. He was gonna have a bump in the road at some point. But tonight, it just looked like he he really looked tired, in my opinion. He was wasn't running the floor as much. When he was running the floor, it looked like he wasn't like running as fast as he could. There was that one leak out. He threw it ahead. Uh, Andre threw it ahead to him to like try to get give him a, a easy fast break point, and he just he didn't look like he had the gas to get to like hit full speed. I don't know if that I don't know if that's something that could be coming to effect or not because he's been. I don't know how many games they play over there uh, overseas. Or anything, but he's played a lot. He played a lot of minutes down there in Grand Rapids, and then he immediately just got bumped up as a starter too. So I don't know. He he struggled obviously, and uh, struggles are going to come. But along with the struggles, I thought he also looked a bit tired. Yeah, that's fair. And 
Yeah, I think um, the one thing that is a little bizarre is that, you know, he has all these good games against all these really good teams and really good wings, and then he comes up against the Hawks, who are terrible, and that's the team that he struggles against. That's a little bizarre. But overall, I agree with you, though. He's going to have, you know, this is not going to be the last time this season, as long as he keeps playing at least. This is not going to be the last time this season that he lays an egg effectively. So that's okay. He's 19. He's a rookie. So it sounded kind of like to me that you wanted to say some things about the Boston game, maybe, given that you were like, there's nothing else to say about this Hawks game. So if you want, if you've got something you want to say about that Boston game, let it fly. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not specifically the Boston game itself. It's more like what started in the Boston game. And that's the fact that Derrick Rose started and he's been, now he started again this game and, and we touched on it a little bit when he started starting the third quarters. That whole little third quarter getting destroyed, kind of like started stopping. That 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 wasn't happening anymore. Now he's starting, and I mean, obviously it's the Hawks, but they also beat Boston, which is a, obviously a really good team. And he was starting, and he's had good games in both games. So, I mean, what do you? I really wanted to ask you, because you know, there's been a follower. I forget his name. My bad if you listen to this. I actually I could probably go look at it later on. But there's been a follower of mine that keeps tweeting me, and he keeps mentioning. He mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I'll give him about the Pistons' upcoming schedule. How it's a lot softer. They can make like a little push right here during before January 29th, to where they could realistically be like for real in the playoff picture. And you know when he said it a few weeks ago, I was just like, yeah, man, come on, just like chill out. The season's over with. Time for us to sell, sell, sell. And I still am saying the season's over and sell, sell, sell. Especially Andre. I'm in the boat now that I want. I think Andre needs to go, but we can get in that later on. I'll say this. The schedule is softening up. The Pistons are only three games out of AC. And with the idea, which I believe many of us have now, is that the Pistons are probably going to wait until the deadline or close to the deadline to do anything if they do do something. It's not unreasonable to uh, Un, uh, unreasonable to think by the time that by the time the deadline comes around if they play well during this stretch we could be looking at a different situation or, or at least the front office could be thinking of a different situation and I think I, I didn't believe in it I thought that was insane but they did just beat Boston beating Boston put a little like didn't do much for me it wasn't like I thought that they were going to make the playoffs all of a sudden now we need to change everything what, what it was is that we beat Boston, we beat Atlanta convincing, and in both games, Derrick Rose has started. He's played extremely well. The players have played extremely well with him. And the fact that it was a conversation throughout the entire season, honestly, amongst Pistons fans, should Derrick Rose be starting, should he be playing more minutes, blah, blah. And Derrick Rose actually said after this game that he believes he can be playing more minutes. They didn't believe in it earlier on. They wanted to keep be safe, but they're starting to ramp up his minutes a little bit more, and he believes that that's helping the team. And I think I don't think you can argue with that. The more he's played now, they've played better. Uh, him in the starting lap has worked. Uh, he's been – I mean, he's making it hard to keep him out the All-Star game, in my opinion. He's playing – like, he's playing way – I think he's playing better than he did last year. He's He's been crazy this year. I didn't see this coming. So – with him starting, adding him to the starting lineup at the same time of you giving him more minutes at the same time as as the schedule getting softer so quickly before the trade deadline, what do you, do you think that, do you think, what's the, actually, let me, let me ask you like this. Percentage-wise, 1 to 10, 
however you want however you want to like give it its chance do you see the Pistons like playing well during this stretch of uh, soft schedule and like perhaps getting themselves closer into a playoff picture we thought was completely over with beforehand um and also uh, touch on Derrick Rose in the starting lineup I mean Derrick Rose in the starting lineup is I don't I don't know. I mean, playing more minutes. Obviously, he's he's obviously the Pistons' best point guard right now. He's you know he's better than Tim Frazier and Bruce Brown clearly. So him playing more minutes obviously is a good thing. But he wasn't playing lower minutes because they didn't think that would help the team. It was clearly a a minutes restriction thing for him. So whether he starts or comes off the bench is not a huge. It's not a huge deal to me. He's playing the same. If he's playing the same minutes either way, it's kind of a here or there. But he, has he been playing the same minutes lately? Because he's been. And he was playing the more. The he's third. playing. He's playing more minutes before the last game too. He's played over thirty minutes in like eight straight games, and the last two are the only ones that he started. So. Yeah, but this game was because they they're they're up by thirty. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm just saying, the minutes were already starting to get ramped up. Clearly even with him coming off the bench. So, and I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that now that we know the season is basically done for, that they've decided to toss off his minutes restriction. I'm not totally sure how I feel about that. Like maybe do that before the season is lost. But, um, yeah, but I, like you said, he's played really well. I would to, not to rain on the parade, but I would point out that if the Pistons were all the way healthy, the way that he has played would not be as it would not be as cool uh, because he's been like pretty remarkably ball dominant. He's shooting like crap from three. He's hardly ever shooting threes because of the fact that everyone else is hurt. So every time he's on the floor, he just always has the ball. It doesn't matter as much. But that is just one thing that's because I've seen a few people say that. Um, the Pistons should not trade Derrick Rose so that they can come back next year with this Derrick Rose starting and Blake Griffin healthy because, you know, Derrick Rose is playing so well, etc. But if Blake Griffin was healthy, like, you think that Luke Kennard has had some issues adjusting to Blake Griffin because Luke Kennard likes to have the ball in his hands? Do you think that Reggie Jackson had some issues adjusting to Blake Griffin because Reggie Jackson likes to have the ball in his hands? <laughs> this would, it would not be as, this would not be going as well basically is what I'm saying about that. Uh, but g- given where they are, he's played great. He's done a great job. I and mean, we've talked about before, it's a testament to how well he's played that when he's on the floor, the Pistons' offense has been good, not just passable. It's been legitimately good. So he's played really well. Uh, as far as the minutes thing, I mean, if he – I guess if they really – if the report that they're not going to trade him this year is true – then I guess it doesn't really matter because if he gets hurt, well, they're not going to trade him anyways. But, yeah, so I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that they seem to have tossed out the minutes restriction now that it's like, yeah, the season's over, we're going to trade guys, we're going to sell, so now we're going to play him more minutes. Like, it's a little bit confusing to me, but in the end it doesn't matter that much, I guess. So, as far as going on a run and making the playoffs or anything like that, it's certainly possible. I mean, there's no denying that, but I just kind of don't don't care because even if they do make it, 
they'll essentially be a they'll it would essentially be a thing where they'd make it by default almost because so I said this I've said this a couple of times but if the Pistons from right now started winning at a 50 game pace they'd win like 39 games I think so they'd be two games under 500 and they're probably not gonna win at a 50 game pace the rest of the way right I mean shoot so right now Right now, Brooklyn is in the eighth spot, and they're four games under 500. So that means that if that were to hold, the eighth spot in the East could have um, 37 wins. <laughs> Which, I you know, congratulations, you made the playoffs. But th- they make it essentially as a pity seed, right? And I would have absolutely no confidence they'd be able to do anything when they got there. If that was the case, right? So, it's like, okay, so thinking about last season. Now, once they fell to the eighth spot, it was like, okay, they're cooked because the Bucks are incredible. But even falling to that eighth spot, had Blake Griffin actually been healthy, had he not gotten hurt at the end of the season, first off, once again, he would not have fallen all the way to the They wouldn't have fallen to eighth had Blake not gotten hurt. But even if they do end up eighth but Blake is healthy, you're still losing that series, but, like, you could do something. That would have been a fun series to watch otherwise, right? Or, like, um, imagine if they had not fallen to eighth and they played the Raptors in the first round, which, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they would have beaten the Raptors just because they beat the Raptors in all their games in the regular season. We've seen that sort of thing, but it probably would have been a fun series to watch, right? But as it is, I mean, you make it as the eighth or maybe even the Magic fall apart and you get to seventh, and but you've Blake Griffin's not healthy. I'm not only not healthy, he's not going to be there. Who knows what the state of Reggie Jackson will be. I mean, he's supposedly coming back soon-ish, but he hasn't played basketball in, like, what, three months now? So who knows if he'll, you know, he'll maybe be playing, but who knows what he'll look like at that point. Who knows what's going to happen with this Luke Kennard situation. I see you raising your hand. I'll get. I'll let you talk in a sec. But basically, I just don't care. And look, I'm on the... I'm on the path, uh, I'm in the opinion that it's just, it's more fun to win than to lose. I'm not looking forward to the possibility of purposefully losing games, but if you're going to trade Andre Drummond at the deadline, like, yeah, they might make it in just because the East, the the back end of the East playoff picture is a disaster, so they might make it in with like 37 wins or something, but you make it in, Blake Griffin's not playing, you traded Andre Drummond for spare change. You know, it just, you've got no shot. So I really don't care. And I don't think that it should be a priority for them. Maybe, maybe if they don't trade Andre Drummond, maybe then I would be okay with them trying to do that. But if you trade Andre Drummond, there's no point in even trying to make the playoffs because there is really no point. Um, I wouldn't be mad if they played well enough to, just because, once again, it's more fun to win games than to lose games. So it'd be kind of fun, I guess. Because even if they, even if it is 37 wins, they'd still have to play pretty well through the rest of the season to get to 37 wins even. So, yeah. So, Koo, you were trying to say something about what I said about Reggie Jackson. What do you have to say? So, basically, what I was going to say is... Um... First off, I just want to say I'm not encouraging them to try to go win now or anything. I'm just right. mentioning that 
the other side of the perspective that you know they there's some out there who think like you know the soft schedule coming up there pro starting except but also to add on to all that is you got reddy jackson apparently coming back soon luke Kennard is going to be coming back at the beginning of february i believe so i mean we've talked about it i mean you just mentioned it the fact that derrick rose makes this offense when he's on the court just good from where they where they should be is a testament to how good he's played. But also, like, we've been playing Tim Frazier, and we I, I've talked highly of Bruce Brown. Reggie's better than Bruce Brown. And you got, I, I, it just makes me wonder, like, if the – like, okay, for example, I was just looking at our schedule. Like, just for example, our next games are against – where is it? We got the Wizards, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Nets, the Cavs, the Nets. So, like, all those games – like, I won't say runnable because the Pistons obviously are pretty bad themselves. But let's just say they, they do go, like, on a little streak here. Like, they go maybe, like, what is that, six games? They go, like, four and two, five and one. Let's let's just say that happened. And then you got Reggie Jackson comes back. And you got Luke Kennard comes back. Now, and two of those games against the Nets. So let's say you win both of those games. Let's say that. Or you win one of those games. You're getting a game on the Nets and you play better, good around the other side. Of the schedule, you might be like you, you could be in a situation where you're like tied with the Nets or like a half game game behind, and then you got Reddy Jackson, Luke Kennard coming back. What do you do now? So, so like now you're legit in the playoff picture okay. with the Nets for the AC. So basically, once again, because that eighth spot is probably going to have a terrible, terrible record, it's certainly possible, but. I do not think that they should do anything with the approach of, oh, well, we got to try and get that eighth seed, is basically my point. Especially if you trade... So, look, if you trade Andre Drummond for whatever you trade him for, you also trade Langs and Galloway. Maybe you trade Markeith Morris if you can get someone to take him. Uh, I think we're pretty much in agreement that there are, you, you're not going to be able to trade Tony Snell this season, maybe next season when he's an expiring, because he makes $11 million. So that's probably too much for someone to want to take until he's an expiring deal. Uh, you know, so if you if you do all of that stuff, okay, and then you know Reggie Jackson comes back, he looks good. Luke Kennard comes back, he really you know I before Blake Griffin started playing again, Luke Kennard was killing it, right? So Luke Kennard comes back, Blake Griffin's not messing with his mojo. He plays like he was at the start of the season. Seku keeps up what he's doing, etc. etc. You know, if if they end up making the playoffs. As a result of the fact that, you know, we sold at the deadline, we did all this other stuff, but the young guys we've got, they just played really well, and they made the playoffs. That's fine with me. I'm not going to be mad about it. Like, there would be some people that would be actively upset if the Pistons made the playoffs, right? Because, oh, you don't want to make the A-seed and just get killed and all this other stuff, right? I wouldn't be on that boat. Just, if they're going to trade Andre Drummond for what supposedly the deal sound like they're going to trade him for, there's no reason to do anything to try and make the playoffs. So even well, if, even basically, even if going into the deadline, so like you said, that's scenario, okay? They're winning some games, and they're legitimately in the playoff race at the deadline. That doesn't mean that you now go, huh, well, we're in the playoff race, so maybe we don't trade Andre Drummond, or maybe we don't trade Langston Galloway. Or whatever. Their decision, may, it should be set in stone. That they should be sellers at the deadline. They should at most be looking to next season. Probably beyond that. 
which is something that we've talked about. I wrote a big piece on it that you pretty much have to more or less plan on Blake Griffin not ever being back right again. So they really ought to be looking like two or three years out. But at most, you are looking to next season. Because even if you do get into the playoffs, because the bat, the bottom seed in the East is going to win 37 games, you're not going to do anything once you get there. So if you sell at the deadline, etc., and Luke Kennard plays great, Bruce Brown plays great, Svee Mikhailu, you know, if you make it because, well, these young pieces we've got all played well, great. Like, you can't, they shouldn't do something to try, they shouldn't, like, be like, well, Luke Kennard, you're making us win games, so we're going to shut you down. And, you know what, Derek Rose, we don't want you to get hurt, so we're just going to stop playing you, right? Like, they shouldn't do anything like that. But, yeah, so that's pretty much where I, I mean- stand on it. Let me let me ask this question. Let me let me say it a little better because this I'm trying to get. Let me get at what I'm trying to. So basically, what I'm saying, so like Andre Drummond, I think that we need to give need to trade him before the deadline. I think we just need to get started with. The, but the reality is, I don't think they probably. I think it's gotten to a point where I don't think it's going to happen because the trade offer sounds so bad that I don't think the Pistons. At, at first, I was at first I was saying keep Andre and just ride it out and let him go in the offseason then the trade offer starts sounding like they were bad and i was like you know what and you know just take the pick if you can just take the pick the pick's better than nothing but from what i'm from what we've heard that and it's being reported that we're being off they shouldn't take any deal like that they they just shouldn't so basically this is what i'm saying i think that's becoming more and more likely that andre being traded so then if you put together that they have a good stretch right here let's say they beat the Nets one or maybe twice Let's say they're in the playoff picture. Luke comes back. Reggie comes back. You end up not being able to trade Andre because the offers are just so piss poor. You just couldn't get rid of them. Team starts playing well. Your team's playing well. And now you're getting two of your better players back. Now you, it's not like you. Now how you're going to stop yourselves from like? Because obviously, I believe that most would agree. Once those two come back, we're probably going to be a better team. I don't think that's like too far of a stretch to assume that they're probably going to be better when them two get back. So if they're playing well when they come back. You're, you're probably going to get better. You're not going to be able to stop yourselves. Like like you said, hey, Luke, stop shooting so much. Hey, hey Derek, stop playing. Like You're not going to be able to do that. So what, So basically what I'm saying is how should Pistons fans, like how should people feel like if that were to happen, Andre ends up staying because we can't trade because it's just bad offers. They come back after a good stretch. We get healthier, and then they end up just playing well down the stretch and end up making the playoffs. Like how should the – not only should the fans think about – but then, now that you've made the playoffs, and let's say this the eighth seed, like once again, this is a big hypothetical. But basically, I think there's a chance that this hypothetical could actually happen now. A few weeks ago, I wasn't, I didn't think so, but now I actually think it could possibly happen. Like maybe at, it's, I think it's at like 25% chance, in my opinion, that it could happen. Especially with the reports that I think Reggie it's, and I think it, on the I way think it's higher the than that. I think if they did not trade Andre Drummond. And when Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard come back, they're at least... It's like, look, there's a chance Reggie Jackson comes back and he's terrible, right? Because he hasn't played in, like, four months. Like, um, the year when they traded for Blake, when Reggie Jackson came back for, like, the last, what, two weeks of the season, he was awful, right? Like, there's a chance that that's the Reggie Jackson we get, in which case he's not helping. And, you know, Luke's kind of been out for a little bit, and he was struggling a bit before he went out, so who knows exactly where he'll be. But if hypothetically Reggie Jacks comes back and he's at least pretty good, um, you know he doesn't need to be that good to help the team given how bad their That's ball handling's been, right? So at least if he comes back, he's at least decent. And Luke Kennard comes back and he plays about where he was before he got hurt. 
and they don't manage and they don't trade Andre Drummond at the deadline, I would actually say it's more likely that they make the playoffs than they don't, to be honest. Okay, but so then if that happens, how should the front office like how should the front office go It shouldn't about change it? anything. So like, That's what I'm saying. Like this off season? That's what I'm saying. It should change nothing. Because okay, but then, here's, but then here's you the, take into account that Andre opts in. So right. what happens if Andre opts in now? Okay. So here's the basic point, right? And so for anyone who didn't see it, um, I wrote a really long piece on Detroit Bad Boys. Um, this would have been two days ago, I think, detailing this whole thing. It's called The Rebuild. That's just what I called it. Uh, so if you haven't read that, go read that. Bring some snacks because it's super long. But the basic point is, so Blake Griffin, here, let's just, I'm just going to bring it up, okay? So Blake Griffin... Here are the numbers of games he has played in since he turned 26. 35, 61, 58, and then last year 75, and this year 18. He's not complaining anymore this year. So last year is the closest he has come to getting through a season healthy, and he didn't quite make it. And also remember, after the deadline, he showed some serious signs of that wear and tear. He did not play that well. He still played pretty well after the deadline last year. Or, I mean, after the All-Star break last year. But he, he showed some signs that he was slowing down, right? And then he's going to play in 18 games this year. And he's now officially on the wrong side of 30. So they should no longer... And if you think about it, the Pistons have had the last four years straight been derailed by injuries, right? Who's not really listening, I see. I am. Okay. They've had the last four years, essentially, derailed by injuries, okay? Yes. This will be, this is the second year where their chance of maybe actually doing something in the playoffs will have been blown by the fact that Blake Griffin couldn't stay healthy. Okay. And now he's on the wrong side of 30. And this is the same knee issue that they thought they had fixed last offseason, and then it turned out not to be fixed. You can't, you cannot continue to build the team assuming, well, if he can just get healthy. It's just, it's just at this point, it would be just foolish. It would be, it would be negligence to try and do that at this point. So, look, maybe he manages to stay healthy even. But you should assume that you're getting, if he plays, that you're getting something closer to what he did after the All-Star break last year. Which is still pretty good. I think he was at like 20 points and 5 assists per game. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. But on a true shooting percentage of like 53%. Before the All-Star break last year, he was at like 60% true shooting percentage with 25, 8, and 6. That's a pretty big difference. You know, like 6 points less per game. and And going from... Elite efficiency to below league average efficiency. That's a pretty significant drop. So, if that's going to be the case, you just that's that's just what you should assume. You should assume he's not going to be able to stay healthy through an entire season. And when he does play, you're not going to get that guy again. And that should be the assumption. And the reality is, with how much money he makes, that means that until he's off the books, you're not going to win anything meaningful, probably. So, if you want to do as I as we've sort of said in the past, if you want to do a sort of a soft rebuild, if that makes sense, where so you trade Andre, you trade Langston, but you know you at least sign a couple of veterans. You know you don't trade every single useful player 
and there's no one in your rotation who's over 24 years old or whatever, right? If you want to do a soft rebuild where you at least keep some useful players around, and then, hey, maybe Blake comes back, and even if he's not what he once was, he can still play, and you, you, you mess around and you're a scrappy seventh seed, that's okay. But you should not be... Bit, no longer should trying to win with Blake be the priority. And even if they play well enough to make the playoffs this year... That shouldn't change that. So, okay, so if you the have plan, an how the fans should feel then? The fans should feel if they make the playoffs because Luke Kennard came back and he played really well. Seku keeps playing. Basically, as long as they don't decide, you know, we're not going to trade Andre because we want to make the playoffs. We're not going to trade Langston Galloway because we want to make the playoffs or whatever, right? Now, I've said it before and I will maintain, I still don't hate the idea of just keeping Andre regardless of what they're giving the offers they're getting just because I like Andre. He makes the team more fun to watch. But regardless of that, if as long as they still make those moves, so you trade Langston Galloway, they're probably going to trade Andre Drummond still, I think. Even though the deals have been worse, I think by the deadline they will be ramped up some. I've maintained that. If that all happens and they still make the playoffs, well, guess what? The only way that they're going to make the playoffs are if their young players play really well. Right? Like, if Seku falls off a cliff, Luke Kennard comes back, he plays like booty. Svi Mikhailik goes cold from deep. Bruce Brown loses whatever progress it looked like he had made for a brief while there. They're not going to make the playoffs, right? <laughs> so. I mean, basically, I was just putting the, I was just asking because there's already fans on Twitter, and I, I don't know if you've seen, but there's already fans on t- spazzing and, and freaking out that. You know, we're, we've done one, two games, and now we got soft skill. We might, we might win, and what are we doing? We're, we're winning games. We're not tanking. What, what's going? Like they're already freaking out. So that's why I brought it up. Like, cause now, cause especially now, like I've already said, I think the chance, like us, ended up winning more than people thought. And it's Here, gone here's up, the main like, reason. Twenty-five percent, my opinion. Here's the main. So first off, if they do manage to trade Andre Drummond, they'll lose a lot of games in a hurry, no matter what. Yes. Just so we're clear about this, okay? <laughs> If they trade Andre Drummond and they do not get another NBA caliber center back or something like that, they're going to lose a lot of games. I consider this, okay? If they trade Andre Drummond and they don't get an NBA center back, Christian Wood and Thon Maker will be this team's center rotation. That's it. <laughs> They'll lose a lot of games in a hurry. So it won't matter at that point. But if they don't, I mean, I would just say, here. here's the best way to put it, okay? Because we talked about this on the last couple of podcasts, talking about the Pistons' hypothetical young core. Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, Svi Mikhailuk, and if you want to include Christian Wood, I'll, we'll be nice and we'll let you include Christian Wood in their young core. These guys are old enough that they're not that far away from you wanting to start winning with them if they're the guys you want to build around, right? Like... All three of Kennard, Brown, and Mikhailuk are one year away. They've got one year left on their rookie deals. So after next year, they're going to need to get paid. Um, Christian Wood is 20, he's almost 25, or is he's no, he just turned 24. He needs to be paid this offseason. Yeah. So unless you want to punt on those guys, you maybe don't want to tear down all the way for this next season. That, that's the scenario of a soft rebuild, which is 
And I think that at least Luke... Now, we'll see what Bruce and Svi look like the rest of the season. If Svi plays like he has recently the rest of this year, I'm ready to put him in not as high as I think of Luke. But he moves from, yeah, you know, he's a nice young piece, but I don't know that it matters that much, to he should be, like, at least somewhat of a priority. If that happens, I mean, yeah. Once again, the Pistons will only win games and potentially make the playoffs if all these guys keep playing well. And if all these young guys keep playing well, that means that the Pistons have, well, they've got more good young pieces. So, I yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a silly thing to be worried about, to be honest. Um, the thing that would make me worried would be if it looked like or sounded like they were making moves or making decisions trying to make the playoffs this season or trying to set themselves up to compete next year, right? It's like, if the scenario you brought up, okay, if Andre Drummond, they don't trade Andre Drummond at the deadline this year, and then Andre Drummond opts in next year, and he's on the team next year. Even if that happens, if what it sounds like is because, well, people have just lowballed us on him, no one has given anything worthwhile for him, and we just, we don't want to trade him for nothing, which, quite frankly, that's, I don't want to trade him for just nothing, to be honest, he's not that old. Worst case scenario, and he's not the sort of player that he's going to screw with your young guys. And by all accounts, it's not like the... Pretty much everything I've seen about this draft is that the Pistons are not likely to be trying to draft a franchise center. So um, Yeah, so unless they try and draft a franchise center, he's not taking minutes from some young stud you need playing, right? Or anything like that. So basically, there's no downside to keeping Andre Drummond, Right? It just isn't. He's by all accounts. He's a good teammate. Um, he's his game fits in with people. He's not some ball hog. He sets good screens. He does big man stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's not gonna do anything wrong. So, but if the reasoning coming out of that is people are just lowballing us and we're not gonna trade him for nothing, we think he's more valuable than that. So if he plays this year and next year here, then so be it. We'll do that. That's fine with us. Then I'll be fine with it. And if that means, well, not if, that means the Pistons will win more games, well, that's okay. That's fine with me. But if it's coming out that it's like, you know what, we decided that this team, so okay, so your scenario, right? So they win, and you, you set out what their schedule is, but it's a weak schedule. So they do that, and they win a bunch of these games, and we get to the deadline, and the Pistons are suddenly winning games. They're in. Maybe they have taken the eighth spot, and they're only four games out of the seventh spot, aren't they? I think. So let's just we'll just go all the way. We'll get crazy with it. They there's no way they get higher than seventh because Philly is way above that. Let's just say if they do that, right? They really go on a tear. They get to seventh. In Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson come back. They're both playing really well. Okay, and the Pistons are the seventh seed in the playoffs. And then it. At the deadline, they're like, well, we decided we don't. We felt like we're in this playoff push. And we just didn't want to trade him for that. right? We didn't want to ruin this. And then this offseason, he opts in, and the Pistons don't trade him this offseason. And people, and they're, the reason is, well, we think Blake Griffin's going to be healthy this season. We think we may finally have it this year, and we're going to be ready to go this year. And that's the reason that they do it. That would not be good. That would actually be stupid. So it's not necessarily even what the result is. It's... As much as anything, because whether they want to admit it or not, this version of the Pistons is over. There's no way around that. So, the main thing that Pistons fans should be worried about is 
what does it look like this front office is going to do as they attempt to rebuild this team? And so far, they've got pretty good grades. Um, Bruce Brown was a hit as a draft pick. We'll see exactly how good of a hit, but I mean, the dude was drafted 42nd, and he at least, I'd say he's pretty clearly cemented himself this year as a at least back-end rotation player. That's good value there. Svi Mikhailik looks like a pretty good pick. Um, Seku, it's too early to say exactly how good, but he looks like a good pick. Um, signing both Derrick Rose and Marquise Morris look like pretty good signings. They've had a couple of bad signings too. But overall, pretty positive, I would say. Not 100%. Kyrie Thomas looks like they whiffed on, which is extra disappointing because they traded up to try and get him. Um, who knows about uh, Arvidas Savitas or Jordan Bone, etc., etc. So that's the main thing to look for is... Does it look like they're going to be making decisions that give you confidence about the future of this team and the front office's ability to build a winning team and build a team that's going to do something? Because if the decision-making appears to be, oh, we want to try and win the next two years with Blake Griffin still, that would be stupid. And do keep in mind that I say this as someone who said that the worst-case scenario for the Pistons would still be to trade everyone away and then have Blake Griffin come back and play like an MVP again. That would be the worst-case scenario. That is, like, my deepest, darkest fear about this rebuild. But you just have to be realistic about it. So... All right, so... So, like, my big... Basically, my issue with that... It's just like... The, it feels like... The, I mean, it's not feels like. I think it pretty much is. The Pistons are in tangle right now. Like, they're not... They, they, they're not in a set direction. It's like, so many different directions they can go. And... Like I don't know any particular move that could get them out of get them into one specific direction because, like you said, you just mentioned like five different routes that could happen with this team. Like this isn't like the the Hawks who are just bad and they're destined for the lottery and then that's what's going to happen. Or you know, like the Pistons are entangled. It's just so like the Pistons could like okay, so hey, for hey, example. Pause. Here we go. I got I got this. Okay. Here's what. The Pistons fans should think about if this happens and they end up doing that, right? They make the playoffs. Let me just make sure I bring it up here. Okay. Are you bringing up another quote? No, not a quote. The 2013 Toronto Raptors. You know about the story of the 2013 Toronto Raptors, Coop? Nope. So they started off the season bad like really bad um i don't remember exactly what their record is they were something like they struggled really badly i think they they were like four or five games below 500 through the first few months of the season then they traded rudy gay they saved themselves from Dwayne casey telling rudy gay that he could shoot all he wanted when it turned out that Dwayne Casey actually had two all-NBA players on his roster that he didn't realize, because Dwayne Casey's a bum. But anyways, so they traded away Rudy Gay, and then suddenly they started winning games. And what was supposed to be the start of a big rebuild ended up becoming the Raptors, which obviously culminated last season in an NBA championship. Now, this happened earlier in the season for them, so they ended up winning 48 games that year. But it would still be the same basic principle of the reason that the Raptors ended up winning a bunch of games is because it was like, oh, these players are a lot better than we thought they were. 
This is supposed to be a rebuild, but oh, look at that. DeMar DeRozan's actually like an all-star. And you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, this is actually a good team. We didn't realize that. They're better than anyone thought they were. So if you trade Andre Drummond and then everyone plays well, then go, cool, everyone's played well. Why would you be worried about that? You know what I mean? All right. So, yeah, so they should not be trying to build around Blake Griffin. But if things go pretty well, then shoot, things go pretty well. So it really is about the bigger picture than anything else. Um, Especially because everything you hear suggests that this is not a strong draft. So I'm not too worried about it, to be honest. So, yeah, as long as they're not making decisions seeming to really actively be trying to make the playoffs, if they play all the young guys and they just play really well, so, you know, Luke Kennard, Sekou Dumboya, Bruce Brown, Svima Kalik, they're all playing like 30-plus minutes a night or whatever, and they all just play really, really well, and they make the playoffs, why would you be mad about that? Because if the Pistons make the playoffs like that, that means Sekou Dumboya is way more ready than we thought he was. That means Fima Kylik is a way better player than anybody thought he was going to be. That means Luke Kennard really is making good on those on my CJ McCollum comparisons for him. You know? And that's all, right. all a good thing. Because if that happens, now you can maybe start to set up for next year and be like, okay, we need more people on this young timeline and we can start to build a real team now. We maybe won't be able to do anything real until Blake Griffin's off the books. We can be a good team for a couple years, rack up some experience and meaningful games. Right? Etc. Etc. Get these guys some more playoff experience. And then Blake Griffin comes off the books. We've got everybody paid. At that point, Seiko Dumboy is going to be, what, 22? Etc. Etc. We'll be ready to go. So, yeah, it's just, it's just not a worry for me. And right. once again, as much as anything, it's not a worry for me because if they do trade Andre Drummond, they're not going to win games. See, I don't think they're going to trade him. That's why I'm worried. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. Well, then it really would be just as, just as simple as if they don't trade him because if they don't trade him because they just are getting so lowballed that they say, screw it, we're just going to keep him, then that's fine. Um, if they don't trade him because they're like, oh, well, we're going to make the playoffs, so we don't want to trade him and ruin that, that would be stupid. I mean, well, either re- reason is is bad. It doesn't matter. Either way, the outcome is the same. I don't like it. Nah, I'm just, I'm not too worried about it. Once again, all accounts are that he's opting out this summer. I'm not sure where this narrative came from that he's not going to opt out this summer. All right. Because I'm he has constantly said he's opting out this summer. I'm, I'm just worried that the Pistons don't have, uh, not only do they not have a direction, they okay. have too many well, so, directions. So that's that's what I mean, cool. Okay. So if it looks like they just don't have a direction, they don't know what they want to do, that's a worry. If the reports coming out of the front office are that they have a clear direction and it's they I mean, are I mean, rebuilding. They can have reports all so they want, if they like, if they action? if they are clearly rebuilding and they happen to make the playoffs while rebuilding, that's fine. How do, what what would signal a clear a clear rebuild? Just trade shipping off Andre for Pat. Trade Andre, trade Langston Galloway. I mean, well, I think Langston is going to be traded either way. I think they're going to get value. Okay, but... so that's my point. So like, if they don't trade Langston Galloway, and then Keith Langlois writes a piece about how well they we didn't want to lose his veteran leadership for this playoff push, then get your pitchforks. 
okay? Then be upset and then be like, well, they drafted Seku, but that clearly was a shot in the frickin' dark because this front office is stupid. Then we can do that. That's what I mean. All right, man. I think there's a lot more issues than that uh, you're not pointing. Okay, what are what are they, Coop? I mean, well, you kind of touched on them, but you're just, like, dismissing them. I think it's, like, legit issue. What issue? So, like, for example, so, like, even if they do trade Andre, we've already talked about this. Most of their young players are not in rebuild stage of their young career. So, like, then, so how are you rebuilding then with them? Because they're not I mean, in that stage. They are in rebuild stage. They're just not that far away. That's my point. Yeah, but so like, okay, so if you didn't have, kind of so if you that didn't have, so if you didn't have Luke's fee and Bruce, or they were not playing as well as they've played this year, and so it's like Seku is the timeline. That's it. Then you would say there is no point at all in any of this. That full Sixers tank, tank, tank. Don't sign a single guy this offseason who's going to help you win basketball games. That that's the answer for that. Then right. But that's not the timeline, necessarily. They can at least give a shot to see if these other guys... So, they're sti- they can still go into a rebuild, but they can do a rebuild that's set up to try and start winning again in a year or two. A year, because they're going to have to pay Luke next year. Exactly. Not next year. Next year, they're still in their... So, like, they can do At what the they do this year, year and they can suck paid. again next year, and then maybe after next year, they can start trying to win. Okay. I don't think if it was Seku, if it was Seku, there's no way you even want to do that. But so, and here, okay, here's the point, right? And here's why with why I'm not worried about Andre either. Okay, if Andre ends up staying through this year and next year, the way that you approach that, and then if they don't trade Derrick Rose, which once again, by all accounts, it sounds like they're not going to. Here's basically what that means. That means you give Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown's, Fima Kyluk. And if you want to include him, Christian Wood, you give these guys a shot to prove that they're good enough, that they're worth building the team around on this rebuild, basically. So you basically would give them through the rest of this season and next season to prove that they're good enough for this. If they're not, dump them. Okay, so okay, so so we're thinking about trading Luke then next year. That's a pot, that's like something that should be. If considered. he underperforms, yeah. Okay. No, I, there's no. There oh, okay. There's no. Yeah, there's no question about that. So, like, if next season Luke Kennard is just kind of middling and it's like, look, he's a, he's a good player, clearly. We already know this. But if it's like Luke Kennard is a good player, but he's not going to make that jump to be even like, you know, a sixth man of the year type of player, he's just a pretty good rotation NBA player. If that's what Luke Kennard is going to be, that doesn't mean you trade him necessarily, but you take calls on him, you know? Just realistically. Right, so, so because so, so here's the re- here here's the reason why you let this go though, okay? Because so we're both very high on Luke Kennard still, right? Yes. Right. So I still kind of believe in the I and people call people call me crazy when I they drafted him because I said this when they drafted him and I maintained this. I think Luke Kennard's ceiling is something akin to C.J. McCollum. I really do believe that. I think he's that kind of a caliber of player. I still believe in that. So if that's his ceiling, even if it's not that likely he gets there, he'd have to become a much better finisher at the rim and just better in the paint to get there. Okay? And it's not that likely it happens. But 
He's still got that potential, and you've got another year on his rookie deal anyways. So give him a shot. What if he comes out next year? He's now the, he's now the centerpiece, and he scores 24 points a game, and he's awesome, you know? Then you'd feel pretty stupid if you dumped him for nothing or you just weren't trying to win. You know, you trade everybody. And you're not trying to win games, and then suddenly it's like, oh, we're the Suns. Devin Booker is awesome. He's good enough that if we had a competent NBA team around him, we'd be winning a lot of games. But we have, like, other than Devin Booker, the worst NBA rotation in the league. You know, and you suck, and you're wasting good seasons of a potential star. You don't want to have that happen with Luke. So, basically, if you keep Andre Drummond, right, or you keep Derrick Rose, or so basically the soft rebuild idea. This is the soft rebuild idea. The soft rebuild is effectively, you whether it's Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose, or whether it's the summer you sign guys to one- or two-year deals, even if they're veterans, Basically, you're giving that young trio in Luke, Bruce, and Svi, you're saying, look, we're going to give you a shot to prove that you guys are good enough that we can start winning with you now. And if you don't, Seku is the timeline. Now, that doesn't mean you automatically dump all those guys because, I mean, they're still young enough that they can play with Seku, but it's just, you listen, you take calls. Right now, unless it's a godfather offer, I don't want to trade Luke Kennard, Right? Like you'd have to give a really good offer to get me to make the Pistons want to give up any of those guys right now. So, yeah, that that's what the approach should be. So if Andre stays, you go okay. Well, screw it. We're gonna give these guys their shot, and that's why you shouldn't be worried about the potential for them to make the playoffs. Because if they make the playoffs this year, or if they make the playoffs next year in this scenario, then guess what? They only do that if Luke Kennard balls out, right? They only do that. If Sfima Kylik balls out, they only do that if Sekou Dumboya balls out. And if those guys ball out, that means that you may be able to start winning sooner rather than later. And your rebuild doesn't have to be this five-year process that's painful as hell. All right, man. So I'm not saying that that's the best course of action necessarily. I would not be upset if they said, screw it, we're trading every single dude on this roster other than Sekou and starting from scratch. That's rough. I would not be su- I'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't give Luke a shot. But other than Luke, honestly, I wouldn't be super upset if they traded everyone other than Luke and Seku, literally, for spare parts, whatever, and they started from there. I would not be super upset. But I'm not worried about trying the other. Because here, here's the main thing that people need to remember, okay? There's a lot of ways to try and build a contender in the NBA. And guess what? Almost all of them fail. <laughs> that's just the reality, right? Because in the NBA, the best team wins the championship almost every year with far more regularity than they do in any other sport. So, like, in the NFL, build a team that's good enough to make the playoffs. And then at that point, who knows? The NHL, same thing. Who knows? Baseball, it's hard to make the playoffs in baseball, harder than it is in other sports. But... Make the playoffs. Win your division. And then at that point, small sample size theater. You could win a World Series. Right? Like, these are things that can happen. In the NBA, that ain't it. You need to get it perfect. You need to be the best team in basketball to win an NBA championship. Almost all the time. You can't luck your way into an NBA championship very often. Unless you're the Toronto Raptors last year and two Warriors players tear their ACL and Achilles. 
then you can luck your way into an NBA championship. Right? It's pretty rare that that happens, though. So, because of that, it's probably going to fail. So, as a result of that, I'm not too worried about it. If it's a good, sound strategy, I can get behind it. So, that's the main thing. So, they should not be trying... The main thing is, don't make moves that mean you're trying to win around Blake Griffin. Now you should be thinking about, even if they just do the soft rebuild, where they're maybe trying to compete next year still, at least to a level. Blake Griffin should then be seen as a piece alongside Luke Kennard. Not Luke Kennard seen as a piece alongside Blake Griffin. That's what it means. All right, dude. All right, you got anything else you want to say? We're almost at an hour, so we can wrap up. I just think it's a lot more complicated than this. But well, then say it. Say it. It's a podcast. I mean, it's like, for example, okay, so like the Pistons drafted Luke and Bruce, and both of them I think are going to be good players. I think Luke already is a good player. I think Bruce is, is, is a rotational player on most teams. So, like, they hit on both these picks. And the fact that now they're they're in years, like, they're older to where you it's not like they're just 19, you can just lose. So now Seiku is a different age. So basically what I'm saying Next year, if we're considering getting rid of Luke, that's like I feel like that's just pretty much saying we wasted a pick. Because now no, that's not true. Because you're only you're only trade. You're even if you decide, okay, Luke is not good enough to be worth building around, right? Even if that's the decision you make, um, that doesn't mean you're trading him for peanuts. I'm saying you take calls on him. You be you know, so like, if someone's willing to give you a first round pick plus a young asset. Next year. Okay, so here's an example. Okay, Now, I'm not sure that I like Romeo Langford anymore. I liked him going into the draft. But people toss around the idea that the Celtics should trade Langford and a first-round pick for him. Okay? Right now, definitely not. I would not trade Luke Kennard for a first-round pick and Romeo Langford. Okay? Now, depending on how you feel about Romeo Langford, that changes what you think about that deal regardless. But... Next year, if Luke Kennard stagnates or it's like it looks pretty clear, you know what? He's going to just be a good rotation player and not anything more than that. Then, if you like whatever that young player attached to the pick is, I'm listening to that. I maybe do that. That's what I'm saying. So, like, if you could trade Luke then for a first-round pick and some 20-year-old prospect that's directly on Seku's timeline... I'm maybe going for that. That's what it means. It doesn't mean automatically sell them off for peanuts. It means listen. Listen to calls on them. That's all it means. Koo, you look like you're in despair. I... <laughs> Anything else that you think is more complex than I'm making it out to be? I mean, it's not. I, conflict was the wrong word. I, I should have said disagreed. It is what it is. You can't just be saying that you disagree and then not say it, Koo. It's a podcast. Speak, I mean, speak, fool. It's just, it's just, it, it's. They have too many directions to go through. They need to pick because at next year. So if Andre Opson, Blake comes back and say Blake does what you think, what you said could possibly happen. That little worst case scenario, Blake ends up playing really good. Now all of a sudden your team's not. Now you're all of a sudden there's okay. nothing you can do. Your team's just going to be good now. So now what? And then that. Then happens. you're good. So then also. Okay, so then. Okay, so what happens? (laughs) Okay, if Blake Griffin comes back next year and he plays like an MVP, unless you've traded off everything, 
right? Like you've traded Der- you've traded Andre, you've traded Derrick Rose, you traded Langston Galloway, you moved Tony Snell this summer. You haven't signed a single guy who's over twenty five this offseason. Unless it's that, if Blake Griffin comes back and he like is all the way back and he's ready to just smash worlds, then great. You're gonna be a good team. Is that great? <laughs> Why would you not want to be a good team? Because if like if they're heading to this off season and they're trying and they're trying to rebuild, now he comes back and he's super good. He's he's destroying that. Okay, here's the worst case scenario. Okay, Blake Griffin comes back. He's super good. The Pistons don't have enough around him now because they traded spare parts off. If he comes back and plays that well, you can now trade him. For what are you trading him for? Whatever you can. I don't think that you can tra- reasonably trade him until the final year of his deal. That's just how I... You could probably trade him at the deadline if he's playing that kind of good. Yeah, but I think most teams are smart enough to know that that will probably come, that there's very likelihood that he's going to probably die. In the if, he he kind of good, if he plays that kind of good, if he plays that kind of good, you can match and trade him. The reason it would suck would be it would be like, wow, he finally came back and we got the guy that we wanted to trade for and we blew it because we traded away all of our other good players. That's why it would suck. But if he does that, you can now trade him. And even, and then you suck again. It's that simple. I don't think the Pistons win in any of these situations. That's what I'm saying. I think every situation leads them what do you a mean? bad path. I don't think so. All right, so that path right there, bad, because that would just break all of our. That, that would break so many fans' heart. What? That that would. Well, that then would don't trade him. Win games. Okay, see now that one. Now see now that path just destroys the fact that you're trying to get high picks. So now you're not getting high picks. Well, okay, so, so once again, so now it's a decision. A it's a decision between soft rebuild or total rebuild. Okay, if you do the soft rebuild, Blake Griffin comes back next year, and he plays like an MVP. You're going to win games, and now you've got a good team. So screw it. Be a good team. Win games. YOLO. Complete rebuild. Now you got to start thinking about Complete rebuild. You're not going to win that many games with Blake anyways. Okay, yes, but if you do So your record's going to be just... Now you're talking about trading loot. So now your record's going to be just decent. Now you trade Blake Griffin, and you get more assets now because you traded Blake Griffin for assets. Okay. Now you've got more young assets. Not only do I disagree... Not, not only do I disagree that you can, you can even if he plays well next year, I don't agree that we'll be able to move him next year. Okay, once again, not also, just plays well. We're talking plays like he was first half of last season good. Koo, if he plays that good, you will be able to trade him. I don't believe so. Yes, you could. No, you may not get a lot back, but you could absolutely move him. chance that he dies. You could absolutely move him if I, he plays that agree, well. Even if you Coo, do. there were people who wanted to trade for him early this season before they realized he was out for the whole season. Yes, so once again, so now we got but we now we have a bigger sample size that he died towards the end of the second season. Now he's on the wrong side of thirty on a terrible contract. I refuse to believe that no matter how good he's playing, that someone someone would bite. trade assets for him. Someone would I, bite. No. Someone bites for sure. I, I no don't, question. I, no. No yeah, question. Maybe the only team that would bite is a team like the Knicks, and they're not gonna be winning anyways. But they're also the Knicks, so... Yeah, but they wouldn't make the deal. They just wouldn't do that. Why not? A stupid team like that. That actually sounds pretty on par for them. All right, well, if that's what we're betting on, then there's what... But no, it's just... Someone would bite if he plays that kind of good. Someone would. There's no question. 
I disagree. There's even absolutely if, no even question. If, they do, if Kevin if they Love do. is going to get traded, Blake Griffin would be able to get traded. Is Kevin, Kevin Love, Love has going been, to be traded for yeah, assets? Probably. For assets. Probably something. Maybe but not a lot, probably but probably something. something. I don't know exactly. You said that we could trade Blake for assets. I, what do you mean by assets? Salary filler and a couple second round picks, maybe a first. Okay, so so if your if your version of getting assets back is a couple is a couple second round picks, then me and you got a real. I mean, real do you consider Svee Mikhailuk and what? Bruce Brown assets, Coop? Dude, okay, where were they both drafted? Coop, like the exception. Coup. We also Coup. have Kyrie Thomas and Svee Mikhailuk. Where were they drafted, Coop? Okay, Kyrie round? Thomas, Davidis, Avedis. Davidis, Avedis hasn't played an Lauren NBA Bone. minute yet. Yeah. He's played horrible overseas. He hasn't played horrible. He just hasn't played that well. No, he's also he's 18. Horrible. So he's not even shooting very good. He's he's 18. That's okay. Either way, Joe, it, you, you can't deny the second round. Almost 80 percent of second round picks are trash. It's I'm just, not it's saying that it's great assets. I'm saying it's something. All right, well, that's at that point. I almost would rather him. This is the thing. I'd rather just keep him to the final. Yes, mom. I'd rather just keep him to the final year when he's more tradable. You could probably get him. No, if he, if someone, if Blake Griffin, if you are in the total rebuild, and Blake Griffin plays well enough that someone's willing to give you actual positive assets for him, you trade him before he gets hurt again. Right. Okay. See. Okay. So if you're smart enough to know that he's going to get hurt again, what makes you think other GMs aren't smart enough? Only takes one coup. And see, I just it don't. Only okay, takes one. I just don't agree. It only takes one. And even once again, even if that happens, we now we have to start considering trading Luke, which which it really hurts. It's not considering. Like, it's yeah, just like you you listen to offers on him, coup. No, I understand what you're saying. I don't think that happens. I think you have to start realistically thinking about trading him because he's much older. And if at that case. You have to start reevaluating whether he's going to be like a, a really good starter, a starter, or a six man. Right. In my in my opinion, even if he is a six man, let's just say he's a six man. That's like what that's a good that's a really good pick for what we had. But now you have to start thinking about trading because that just doesn't fit with what you're doing. That's that's my worry. But if you trade round, him, you're getting back assets. Because Luke Kennard would return real assets, like good assets, and so now you're able to rebuild around Seku more effectively. And see, I, uh, that would, oh, that, I understand that. I just, it okay, would really here's, hurt here, here's the reason why what you're saying doesn't make sense, Coop. Okay? You're saying, I feel like there's too many directions. There's too many things. Okay? But one of the most clearest directions would be to right now go, we're trading Luke, and we're trading Bruce, and we're trading Svee, and everyone else. That would be a clear direction. Is that what you want? Yes, yes, but that would be a stupid direction. I, I, I literally said after all of these directions lead down a bad path. So what's a good path? I, that's what I'm saying to you. I, that's what I'm trying to say. That I don't see any good path for the Pistons So you right think now. that that's a pathway where next year they win games because Luke Kennard, Sfima Kyluk, Bruce Brown, and Seku all play really well. I don't think that's a path. I think that's a pipe dream. That, that, that shouldn't count as a path. You think... You do not think, all right, if if Andre Drummond is on this team next year and Derrick Rose is still here and they sign, you know, whatever, DJ Augustine or something as their other point guard, plus whoever they draft, you think that that team couldn't come close to going 500? See, in, in that case, we're just signing another old guy, and that's something I just don't want to do. So then in and of itself. You don't want to sign guy. any old guys, no matter what. I mean, I think Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin are probably good enough at this point. Okay, so you don't sign an old guy. You sign Alfred Payton or something. I don't know. 
Emmanuel Moutier, whatever. You sign, okay, you so sign, you just sign some NBA caliber players, so you don't field a G League team. Okay, so even if he is like post break last season, he's putting up like twenty six and six on not great efficiency. If Luke Kennard plays well, Sekou plays like he has. Sweet McCollick plays like he has. You don't think that team could get close to 500? You lag. You said get close to what? 500? Yes, but is that a good thing? That's why. Is that a good okay. thing? Here's the, the thing, Koo. Okay. Do you think Sekou is a stud? Do you think he is the future? I think it's too early to say. Do you think that it looks like. Vibes, do you think he yes. can be the future? He's giving us good vibes, yes. Okay. So who cares? You've got the dude. Oh, see, I don't see. You've got the dude. So the one year that we actually tank, let's say we lose this year. This year is the one year we actually are bad and we can actually get a good pick. It's a draft that, and we can very well just whiff on the one time we get a high pick. Then right. the very next year after that, now we're back to trying to be 500 again like we were I'm in the I'm not saying decade. you're trying to, but why would that be the worst thing in the world? Okay? Because we're not getting good picks. You're, okay, think about, it like, think about it like this, Koo. Okay? If that team next year was good enough to go 500... Imagine how good they could potentially be once you open up the fact that after another year, they'll have, like, what, between Andre and Blake coming off the books, like, $70 million in cap space to opening up? To do what? Up? Sign good players. To, to where? Detroit? Yeah. All right, man. This sounds like a, a, a You act like no player. free agents have ever signed in Detroit. Just because their front office Dude, is too... The, the, just because Joe Dumars so was stupid enough. Just like because Joe Gallo Dumars here. was so stupid that he used their cap space on Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon and Josh Smith doesn't mean no one would want to come to Detroit. Our, t- our core is not going to be good enough where just little role players like Langston Galloway and Markeith Morris can make them win 500 games. Why not? Because they're not. They're okay, not that so then good. if they're not that good, then they're going to lose a bunch of games, and you get your high draft pick. Are, so what's the issue? Are, see, are they? Because they have Blake now. Okay, who is not once going again, to Koo, make you stink, Koo, but he's not going to make you amazing. This is the point, Koo. Okay? Either they're good enough, because once again, you have to assume Blake Griffin is not going to be good enough to single-handedly drag you to a 500 okay, record. Okay, assume that then. Okay. That has to be the assumption. And if he plays that well, that means he's playing at M- MVP caliber. And then no, you can no, no. Trade go him. down that path that he's not playing very okay? well. Just go so he's way, not playing that well. Down. So then guess what? You're not winning that many games just because of Blake. You're so winning, but he's if, not going to play so, if, so bad when so you suck. If, That's the point. So if you're, okay, if he's playing not that well, though, okay, you're first off, your roster is handicapped because you've got a $36 million player playing just mediocre okay so if they manage to go like 500 with that roster the only way that happens is if Luke Kennard Bruce Brown Sfima Kylik and Sekou Dubois are balling out okay and so they then the hope is then once right so if they play that well then once Blake is off the books you might be able to build a real team like a good team like a proper okay. contender and if, if he doesn't play if they don't you are play not that going well, to be 200 if you Blake's not going to make you that bad you're still going to be around the little has 10 years that the pistons have been like 32 30 which is not going to be high pick but once again then you just then you're thinking about trading Luke and Bruce 
See, and going and for a just, full and rebuild. And there we go. Now we're back into a path I think is bad. But we're now right you're back. back but now you're getting path. the high pick that you're complaining you're not getting. I'm. That's what I'm telling. I'm telling you the Pistons are stuck. I'm telling you they're, they're not stuck. That's what I'm saying, dude. If it goes that way next year, where it looks like no, we're just going to be mediocre, then you trade everybody. All right, Full restart, that, and that now right you're there. getting now, the high so draft you're picks. trading all the young pieces that actually were that, not young pieces. I guess at that time they'll be like middling a that actually were okay picks. Now you're getting rid of them. Now you have to but bank on yourself. But you're getting you're after. getting good assets back though. Like you're you're getting real assets back for Luke Kennard. Joe, okay, so once again you're gonna have to explain to me what your version of real assets because you told me a couple seconds. Okay, or, or, uh, for Luke Kennard, asset. you're getting you're getting at least one first round draft pick plus a young. Are we talking about but, like a Romeo Langford first? I I don't know. I don't hate Romeo Langford yet, but like you're getting a young player plus a draft pick. If you right, trade okay, so player. if the Hawks gave us, if we took Cam Reddish in a first round pick, that's essentially throwing throwing Luke into the garbage can and saying, "Here you go, we don't care." Why is that throwing Luke into the garbage can? Because you're not getting Atlanta Hawks first round pick. You're probably going to get someone else's first round pick, and then Cam okay. Reddish sucks. So. Okay, but the Pistons also then are going to suck, so they're going to lose a bunch more games. That's, so the Pistons. Will, so if you do that, then the, the Pistons have then That's the Pistons have like the fifth overall pick themselves, and then they get you know whatever Memphis's pick, which is going to be like fifteenth, and then maybe you get another first round pick for one of Svi or Bruce, and so you've got three first round draft picks. So you get, wait, you said you get a first for Bruce and Svi? Maybe, maybe for one of them. Okay, see. You smoke and cry. Right? Well, or a yeah. bunch of seconds, and then you package those seconds to get a first-round pick from somebody. Like the Cavs did to get the Pistons' first-round pick last year. The 30th pick. Okay. Would you like Kevin Porter Jr. on this team? The draft is a crapshoot. Would you like Kevin Porter Jr. on this team? I don't know. I didn't really like The draft is a crapshoot. That's the point, Koo. Get as many tickets as possible to that lottery. It's a crapshoot. Okay, so see so then. Okay, get three so first round picks. So get three first part? round picks. Trade everything you can. Have three first round picks and three second round picks. And then next thing you know, next summer, not this summer, but the next summer, Seiku's twenty years old, and you have six draft picks. Plus, okay, so Arvidas Sabitas okay. is coming over now too. How likely? And then you go into the how? next year, and you've got a bunch of twenty-one year olds who all suck. You suck for the next year or two. You get another top five draft pick two years. And then four years from now, you've got Seku plus a bunch of young studs, and you are the gods. I'm not saying that was what would happen, but that that's the that would be the path to go. That sounds like the that sounds like the, the same only idea reason of the, the Suns, only the Sacramento Kings, the only the Orlando Magical. The only reason that you end up stuck New is Orleans if this front Pelicans. office decides to make them stuck. No, they're stuck. No, it's only if the front office decides to make them stuck. There, there's no good good path out of this. Yes, there is. No, there's there multiple is. good paths out of this. There's not a single good path. Yes, there is. Unless losing to you is so you a think, good path. So you think Seiko Dumboya potentially being a franchise player is a bad path? Because I think okay, there's a real chance he's a, a franchise dream, player. Joe. That's, that's still not a, a pipe that's dream. That's still a little tiny chance. That's not a pipe dream. Yes, it is, Joe. You're, okay, so you're, so now we're saying that we can just go ahead and bank that Seiko Dumboya is the savior of Detroit. Sure. After nine games, okay, I end the people podcast. Were say, Good people, night, were, people were saying that already before he started playing. Yeah, and they were drunk, and they still are drunk. Are they? He's played pretty well. Yes, too. nine games. Tyreek Evans He's looked 19. like he was Michael Jordan. 
Could you just sound like you're too down in the dumps? No, this is no. You guys are pet. You guys Kuh, sound like a bunch, too of, down in the dumps. a bunch of fans. This team is only stuck. This team after is after nine games. This now, team we are going to assume that he's the savior of Detroit. This team is only stuck if the front office chooses to make them stuck. There's very clear paths either way. Right. Um, it's very clear. This it will not, not be hard for them clear. to get it right. Now it'll be hard for them so to get it right. After Seku's not playing good now, he doesn't look like the savior. But oh look, we don't trade everybody now. Well, once again, if you trade everybody, then you got up more high draft picks, and you can get another chance to get your new savior. So either so like like I said, either I right, man, I, I'm okay. Whatever, we'll see what happens. I it is. What it is. I mean, it's just, they're only stuck if the front office decides to make them stuck. This team has no good path out the way. That's not true. That's just objectively false. The bank. Banking their entire franchise for the next, like, six years on Seiku Jumboya being Jesus. I mean, that's kind of what NBA teams do. There is no other plan. That's kind of what NBA teams do, Koo. No, you have to do that kind of a thing. If If that's what you think NBA teams do that are successful, go ask the Suns. The Magic, the Pelicans with Anthony Date, the who else? Who are some? Oh, the Timberwolves or the Cats. Warriors? If, that, if that's our plan, should we go ask the Warriors and hope he becomes a savior? Should we go ask the Warriors then, about that? What? Should we ask the Warriors? Steph Curry wasn't that Warriors good at, the, for a long time. Too. Exception, or are they like the like? Who, who everybody have? who wins a championship is the exception. That's the point. Okay, but there's a okay. okay we're not every single team that wins a championship. I said good. Every I didn't single team. Championships. I said Memphis good. Memphis, the Grit and Grind Grizzlies. They bet it all on Marcus and Mike Conley. Turned out they're better than everyone thought they were. I the Raptors know, bet it all on Kyle guy. Lowry and Demar Derozan. Turned out they're a lot not, better than they thought they were. We're not they, banking, they didn't bank on Marcus all after nine games being their savior. That, that's not what happened. They, they didn't see Mike Conley for nine games and Pretty say, sure that hey, we're going to bet our future on Mike Conley after nine games. John Morant is. They're doing the same thing with John Morant. John, they're actually good right now. They have a reason to do that because John Morant a, actually is about to be rookie of the year and Jaron Jackson was a monster last So they actually have reason to believe that. The Pistons have gotten nine okay, games. Okay, cool. But so what if, if they make the playoffs this year and Sekou plays awesome? That's not going to happen. You literally just said, well, what they if they make the playoffs this year? Joe. You what just said, well, what if they, because if they don't make the playoffs, then they suck, and they get another high draft pick. They suck at what? They suck how bad? To be the 10th pick again? Ninth, eighth? They're ninth seed right now. At this very moment. They are the ninth seed. In the East, they're not catching any of the top three teams. Right now, Ku, they would draft ninth overall. Okay. Right thank, now. Thank you. You lose a couple, because Minnesota and Sacramento and New Orleans are not tanking the rest of the year. Neither is Phoenix. They all want to make the playoffs, right? You trade Andre. Okay, the Pistons now have 16 wins. Chicago, Charlotte, Sacramento, Minnesota, Pelican, and the Pelicans all have 15 or 16 wins. Phoenix is at 17. Okay? Okay. You literally, if the Pistons had one more loss, they're picking sixth. Okay? If they lost tonight. Okay? You trade Andre at the deadline. They're, uh, see, okay, or guys don't what, play well down the stretch. Okay, you trade Andre down the deadline. Okay. Guys don't play well. They don't go on that run against these crappy teams, all right? 
just like they were lo- they lost to Chicago the other night because they looked like booty. You know, they don't go on any sort of a run. They're easily drafting top five. Right? The only reason that they don't pick top five is if they actually play well, which would be the young guys. Because whether they want to or not, because there are so many injuries, the young guys are playing. Is there a and if the young guys play well, then you might actually be able to be good the next couple of years already. Because is your young Rose, guys are playing well. Is Derrick Rose, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Andre Drummond, are, are those good players? Yes. Are they going to win you some games? Yes. Okay, so if the Pistons don't end up trading Andre because they can't get any deal, these two players come back healthy. That is the roster that they're trucking out. Just them winning at like an eighth seed pace will not can it may happen because of the, the young players, but it's also very much more very much more likely that they win at that okay, pace cool. okay, because cool. they have those four Pause players. Second, still. Cool. Is Terry Rozier a good player? What is Terry Rozier a good player that helps you win basketball games? Yes. Is Cody Zeller a good player I mean, that helps yeah. you win basketball games? I suppose. Is Devontae Graham a good player that helps you win basketball games? What what do you what's your point? Is Miles Bridges a pretty good player? Okay. Is Marvin what are you Williams a decent NBA player? Okay, what are you okay. getting at? All of these other crappy teams have a few good players on them too, Koo. Okay, so once again, so we're betting we're so we're t- we're betting on the Pistons for just losing more than the rest of them if we don't sell everybody. If we sell, That's then what, okay, cool. I take back what I said. Cool. This is why I'm stuck. saying they're only stuck if the front office chooses to make them stuck. Okay, Joe. So, and okay, well, I guess I'm saying the front office will make them stuck. I don't okay. think we're selling it. So, if you don't have but, faith in the front office, that's a different thing from saying I don't think there's any good way out of this. I don't think it has to be okay? with the front office. That's I saying think teams are there. Just that's up. saying there are good ways out of this. The Pistons are just too stupid to take them. Okay, so should they should they trade Andre even if it's like Chandler Parsons and that's it, like Sally Phil, that's it. So they just trade him anyway. No, probably not. Okay, okay, so there you go. So that's not on the front office. That would just be because teams are screwing us over. But there's you're still probably trading Langston Galloway, right? I, I guess. I mean, Luke Kennard, sure. Bruce Brown, and Sfi McCulloch are probably all still playing like 30-plus minutes per game. Same with Seku. 30 minutes? Probably close, each. No. Probably pretty close. Not Bruce and not Sfi. I'm pretty close, though. 25-plus for all four of them? Maybe. Not, not They're maybe. That's a de- up plenty of the minutes. That's almost definite. Well, none of them are point guards. Bruce plays a lot of his point, a lot of guard minutes. So, okay. So if you play all of those guys that many minutes, and you play well enough that you finish ahead of all these other teams, guess what? That's a good thing because it means that your young guys played well. Okay. See, Joe, you're gonna make me say something. I just didn't want to have to say. I don't want to have to do this because I'm gonna get called out again. I might get. Re- but you're forgetting like one key factor. Dwayne Casey is a bum. So, so like you're just forgetting that. So, like even if that happens, there's very likelihood that he plays Andre still 33, okay. 35 minutes. Well, first off, okay. First off, first off, okay. It doesn't matter if you play Andre thirty-four minutes a game because he's not taking some young guys' minutes. Okay, right? I dare Rose. Second off, right. What young stud do the Pistons have at point guard that Derrick Rose is taking minutes from? Yes, but with both of them on the floor, they're more likely to win. Okay, but they're not. We've already cool. They've both been on the team all season, and they suck. 
Okay? Those two guys are not single-handedly making you win that many games. They're not so good enough for you. agree them. that injuries have, has what destroyed this season? That's right. That is what has destroyed this season. So if Luke comes back okay, they're not, they're not winning more games? But if that happens, then Luke's playing well. No, if you're I, I rebuilding, you want the play. young guys to play well. Back because he had knee problems before he went out. He was saying he had knee issues. He doesn't have to play a, like amazing level for him just to win a few more games. Yeah, he would. Who, who would the t- okay, who would if, the if he comes back and he plays, if he comes back, he plays mediocre. So he's taking some minutes from. And okay, realistically, if they trade Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard is taking Langston Galloway's minutes. Okay, Langston Galloway's played pretty well this year, hasn't he? Sure. Okay. So for Luke Kennard to be outplaying Galloway to the point where they are winning more games now, a notable amount of games, he'll have to play pretty stinking well, wouldn't he? Right? No, Luke? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Did you not just say Langston Galloway's been good this year? Yeah, but then okay. you just... So if like, they trade Langston Galloway, his minutes are getting split up between Luke and Bruce. Right? It's three. Yeah, well, Svee doesn't really play shooting guard. And but, Reggie's coming back. Okay, so his minutes are getting split up between Reggie. Luke and Bruce, okay? Reggie. Reggie Jackson's a point guard, bro. Yeah, yes, but you have all these minutes. He ha- we have to free up minutes Reggie Jackson's playing. Reggie, Reggie Jackson's playing the minutes that, that um, what's-his-face has been playing. Tim Frazier. The last few so, games. So he's going to be Reggie's going to be playing fifteen to twenty minutes a night. One of the point guards will be probably. See, and or that, split it up. Playing. However you want to do. Either either Derek plays thirty minutes and Reggie plays eighteen, or they split somewhere and they both play like twenty four. Who knows? I don't care. Doesn't matter. They're not taking point guard. And I'd like to see Bruce as a ball handler more, but we we know that he's not ready to be a point guard yet, right? Like the Which numbers are pretty clearly be doing it. okay. So just let him do ball handling. You can be a ball handler more without necessarily playing point guard, right? So now we've I, seen okay, this with so Luke Kennard. Right there, you're putting trust that Dwayne Casey decides. Hey, you're not going to play point guard, but okay. we're pl- still once again, Koo. Okay, the Pistons brain trust being too incompetent to go down so, the okay, right so path. Okay, so do you think they're firing Dwayne Casey in this next week? Like, no, is that, is that hey, changing? Koo, Koo. This was like three podcasts ago. I said the main reason I don't have faith in a rebuild is because Dwayne Casey is their coach. I literally okay, so said this, I right? I just told you that so, the rebuild doesn't look like it's going to be good. No, and no, 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 no. Because you keep saying there's no good way out of this, okay? Okay, so unless Dwayne I think Casey there's a very good chance. I think there's a very good chance this is going to be a disaster. I think there's a very good chance of that. But it's just wrong to say that there's no good way out of this. There's a lot of good ways out of this. Just because Dwayne Casey's too much of a bonehead to do the it's right thing. It's not things. just Dwayne Casey. It's Dwayne Casey. Then you're betting on Seiko becoming a savior. Then you're betting on on on. I feel like comfortable so betting on Seiko becoming a cornerstone. What? I feel comfortable betting on Seiko being a cornerstone. See, dude, and this has been nine games. I think that's. I've, it's I've, I've watched every. I've watought, I've watched every single G League game of him. I watched some of his French games. He, we had the French guy on the podcast. We had the French guy on the podcast. I believe in the dude. Joe, Joe, after watching those G League games, did you think he was going to play like this when he got to the NBA? Um, I did not think no, he would... No, don't troll. Be... Don't do not troll. I'm cool. 
if you remember, back when they officially said Blake was out, I, I can bring up this tweet if you want. I can find it. You don't have I to. Said, I refuse to believe I said, that you thought he'd be Sekou absolutely needs NBA minutes because he is too good for the G League. Yes, that doesn't mean you thought he'd be good in the NBA like he had. I mean, he's been... He shot the same from three. There's nothing notably different about his game. Joe, he needs to work on his ball Joe, handling. Say, dude, he can't play, pass. Way better than we thought. He just follows to it. He's actually... He, after this G League, this is... I'm impressed by the fact that he has played this well, but it doesn't shock me. All right, okay, okay, Joe. Cool. I, okay. When you tweet this, cool. when you tweet okay. this cool. podcast cool. out, make cool. sure you tell everyone. Okay, yeah, cool. me, Joe Truck, said that I cool. believe that Seiku would be this good when he plays. Cool. Just make sure you say that. Cool. The thing that's shot. Okay, so, like, here's the reason why, okay? All right, so you remember that I've, I've touted my man, Todd Withers, right? G League player for the drive. I've said if there's one guy on this roster that I think can make it in the NBA, he's the dude that I think would make it. Okay? Why is that? Because I've explained this before. You remember why? Nope. Because he's not the best player on the drive, or hasn't been, but last year in particular, he's the guy whose game translates the most evenly. Because you know what? All Todd Withers does is play his ass off on defense, play really good defense. And he hits spot-up threes, and he's an active cutter. There was nothing Seku was doing in the G League. Okay, so like, for instance, Jordan Bone, if he came up to the NBA, right, they made him the full-time backup point guard, right? So let's just say they they do trade Derrick Rose, okay? And then they trade Derrick Rose, and Reggie Jackson comes back, and he plays starter minutes, and then Jordan Bone becomes a backup point guard. If he comes in and he played really well, that would shock me because even because like playmaking for yourself and others that is the hardest thing to translate to a higher level right there's a lot of dudes i've seen in the g league that you know point guards in particular i mean just from the drive i mean dwight bikes ended up actually being pretty good but like k felder uh last year kalen lucas keenan evans uh you know etc etc there's a lot of uh there's a lot of dudes who have been who look like superstars in the G League because they can create for themselves and do all this other crap, but it's like you can't do that in the NBA. You got to be pretty freaking good to be able to do that in the NBA. But guess what? All Seku has been doing in the G League is playing his ass off on defense, getting out in transition, hitting spot up threes, and when guys overplay him to shoot threes, he pumps and he drives. That's all he's been doing. He's not running pick and rolls all the time, and it's like, yeah, when he gets to the NBA, he's screwed, right? And that's the one thing, by the way, if you want something to knock him on, that dude doesn't pass. He's got a ton of work to do as a passer and playmaker, right? If he's going to make it as a franchise cornerstone. He's got a ton of work to do there. But after what I saw from the G League, no, I'm not shocked. I'm a little bit surprised because... I'm a little surprised because he's come up and he hasn't missed a beat right from the start. Like, if I had had to guess, I probably would have guessed he would have struggled at least some out the gate before he found a groove. But I'm not shocked at all. Because he's all right, basically no, sure because that. he's basically we, we doing the know. exact same thing in the G League, in the NBA, that he did in the G League. And that's because what he was doing in the G League was very easy to translate to the NBA. All right, so once again, just make sure you tweet that in this podcast that you drove, saw this coming. Okay, sure. 
Just I'll, make I'll sure right that now. you say that. I'm tweeting right now. Okay, yeah, tweet it right now that you you are the only person in the world. I'm not the only saw, person in the world. Saw Seiku dom, other, no, other people, other world. other people who were watching him in the G League said the same thing. Ku, this is not that wild. Okay, okay. Uh, Joe, tweet it out. We'll see how many people, uh, how many people thought that. I'll go check the receipts and see if they actually thought that, and we can go through. Joe, Joe is insane. Anybody watching this, none of you guys will be able to convince me that you guys thought that Sekou Dumboya was just going to come up to the start for the Pistons, play well against Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Draymond Green, Anthony... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even thinking about it, if you guys are trying to tell me you thought he'd play well against some of the top players in the entire NBA, you guys can get the hell on with that. I won't entertain it. Get the hell on. He dropped 24 points against against the Boston Celtics on 70% shooting. You can get the hell out of here. How many times did he dribble in that game? It doesn't matter. Three. Don't, I don't care. He had, I counted them. If it's that easy, Joe, why dribbles. don't other people who don't he dribble had, do it? He had. I'm not saying that it's that easy. I'm saying that's something that's easier to translate from the G easier. League to the NBA. That doesn't mean it just happens. Okay? Coop. This is literally something I've talked about before when talking about translating things from G League to the NBA. And I said this. I think I said this on here. That you did he say is it. Too, that doesn't mean he's too, he, he needs NBA minutes. He's too good for the G League. There's nothing more they can teach him there. If that doesn't mean, you know, yeah, I think he's ready he's to play NBA minutes. Okay. I, what else can it mean that he, Yo, he needs NBA minutes? Only one other player in NBA history has 24 points. Seventy percent shooting at his at this at this kind of age, and that's Kobe freaking Bryant. If you're telling me you saw that, you saw something compared to Kobe Bryant with Seku, then I man, I'm actually shocked that Kobe Bryant is doing anything on the level that Seku is doing. To be honest, all right, all right, okay, that's fine. We can go. Ahead Kobe Bryant should be honored to be mentioned in the same sentence as Seku Dumboya. Yeah. If all we're being honest, Seku fans. All of you Seiku stands can get okay, all the way cool. the hell out of here. So with like that. that game is insane. But once again, you look at his numbers, it's not like it's been he's overall his numbers have been that of a good three and D player. Okay? He's not creating any offense for himself. He's mostly just he shoots spot up threes and he's an active cutter. That's what he's doing. Okay? He is last year Bruce Brown, except he can shoot threes. That's what he's doing. It's impressive because he's 19, and initially he was billed as being a total project. But after watching him in the G League, or back in Summer League, first thing we said when we saw him in Summer League, right, was he looks more comfortable on offense than I thought he would, right? Joe, he looked right? completely lost on defense. He did, on, he did. but then in the G League, he stopped. He, he did not in, in, in the G League. Not that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't okay. mean to say G. I said summer league. He yeah, looked great. completely no, and utterly lost. I know, but the first thing we all said, it's like he looks pretty comfortable on offense. And then the G League that continued, it's like he really looks comfortable on offense. He knows his role. And guess what? He didn't look as lost on defense. And here we've talked about this too, cool. Okay, one of the main advantages of drafting Seiko Dumboya, a guy who's played professional basketball from when he was 16 and has only played basketball from when he was 15. Okay, he has not spent his his basketball life as the jab-stepping superstar of his high school team and his AAU team and his college team. 
He's been learning to play professional basketball against grown men, right? This is literally what we have said about him, right? He has been learning how to nail things out of a out of a triple threat stance. He has been learning to hit fadeaway mid-range jump shots. He's been learning to shoot spot-up threes, get out in transition, and cut off the ball. We've said all of this. No, I don't know fine. why you're acting you so shocked about this. I said it multiple times. Okay? Tweets so then articles. why would you be shocked that, that here he is Joe, in his first NBA minutes? Mean. Why would you be shocked that here he is in his first NBA minutes? And guess what? He's hitting spot-up threes. He's that being an active I cutter. I him to be able to be an all-rookie second team or like five points a game show promise. Do you know what his true shooting percentage is right now? Like 60%. Okay, did you see Sekou Dumboya coming out here having being efficient as he is? Joe, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep it blunt with you. And you can look me in the camera. You can get all the way the hell out of here with this. You can just, no, <laughs> there's no way you're going to, anyone's going to convince me. Just because we saw that from him from France and him professional player, yes, you're right. We saw that and we thought I thought that would help him be an okay rookie, not the project everyone thought he was. I thought he'd be okay. They have him on the third on the rookie ladder, Joe. After eight games, they have him as third. You saw? Yeah. If you, no, you got to get the hell out of here, dude. You got to get all the way the hell out of here. No one saw that. I he mean, has a true shooting percentage of sixty. Well, it'll actually be quite a bit lower after tonight, Koo, for what it's worth. Fair enough. Either way, third. I mean, Koo, after nine yeah. games. Yeah. I'm not you shocked. You saw him by being it. that kind of good. Yeah. Get the end the podcast before you no, make me pissed. No, I'm not. End the podcast Coop, before you When he was drafted, how many people were how in the draft? How many people were shocked he fell out of the top ten? Yes, but that he was, was initially projected. He was an ingi- he was initially projected as a top five pick. Joe, that's not because of his impact immediately. They thought that because he of was his initially pr- projected potential. as a top five pick. And he showed very early on, and once again, in the G League, which I watched every minute of, he showed he's more ready than we thought he was. Hi, Joe. They saw him as kind of like even a, a slower version, a slower development uh, version of kind of like Giannis and Pascal. That's what they saw him as. That was that was stupid, and I've tweeted about several times why it's stupid to compare him to them because he's way I further on than either of those developmental, guys. Were. I'm talking about the development two years away and from being coo- two years. And away, I've tweeted several times about how I think that's a stupid comparison. So you so 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 everyone before the draft was just stupid for thinking Seiku was two years away from being two years. I and mean, I thought that before the draft, I didn't know hardly anything about him. I'm saying after watching him in the G League, so I watched him play actual basketball a bunch. I very quick, kind of like Luke Kennard before the draft, people compared him to to JJ Redick, and then after they drafted him, I watched a bunch of his film from Duke, and I was like, this is stupid. Why are people comparing him to JJ Redick? Right after watching Seiko Dumboya play actual basketball, I figured this is stupid. Why are people making these comparisons? He's clearly way more comfortable offensively that certainly than Giannis was as a rookie. Giannis was not he couldn't do anything on offense as a rookie at all. And you know, so Joe, did you think Dewan if Dewan Summers came up from the G League and was out? Eighteen points a game. Did you would that have shocked you, or would you have just said, "Oh, well, he's a good scorer in the G League." You know, it's not that shocking. He came up and was just dominating now NBA. Hey, Koo, what did I literally just say about scoring? 
I understand, but the, uh, either way, the, it, I understand it's easier to to translate. But that doesn't mean just because it's easier to translate, it's going to happen in, into the MVP. But I can still say I think this would or it wouldn't. So like, right. okay, cool. So once again, I'm going to use. I'm going to Okay, cool. Once again, I'm going to use my man. First team. Once again, I'm going to use my man. Todd Withers is an example. If they called up Todd Withers and they played him 30 minutes a game. Now look, just like with Seku, I'm surprised that he adapted so quickly. I w- if I had had to predict, I would have guessed he would have started a little slower and taken some time to get comfortable. But if you told me we're going to get to the end of the season and Seku Dubois is going to look like already, as a rookie, a really all solid... All-rookie first th- team. Yep, no, all-rookie first team and a rock-solid just objectively... He could be a 26-year-old, and people be like, that's a really solid 3 and D player, right? Ignoring his age, even. That would not have shocked me. If they brought Todd Withers up and they played him in the same role, I would not be shocked if he shot 37% from three, played great defense, and that, and people were like, oh, Todd Withers can play. I wouldn't be shocked by that. All right, man. All right? That's fine. If, if, and once again, Koo, just so we're clear, control. okay? There's a difference between being shocked and being surprised by something, okay? So, I'm surprised Seku adapted as fast as he has. I would be surprised if Seku maintains a 60% true shooting percentage all season. But I'm not shocked by what I've seen from him. Because it's exactly the things that he did in the G League. And those are things that are very translatable. It's, it's uh, like rebounding, okay? The most consistently re- translated stat from college to NBA is rebounding, okay? If you are a good rebounder in college you are more likely to be a good rebounder in the NBA than you are any other skill to translate. Even shooting, okay? A good rebounder is more likely to be a good rebounder in the NBA than a good rebounder in college, and a good shooter in college is to be a good shooter in the NBA, right? Being able to cut, same thing. And he had proven to me, because he took like 200 attempts from three in the G League already this year, right? So he's hitting threes at the NBA distance, so clearly he can hit them. The stroke has looked good. Right? So, it surprised me that he has hit the ground running like this. And guess what? Part of this does mean he's going to hit a rookie wall at some point. He'll hit a slump in his shooting. Right? But no, I'm not shocked by anything I've seen. Not I don't know why that's so hard to believe. All rookie first team. Was, would not be shut. Okay. I don't think I said that he was going to make all rookie first team. Yes, you did. I literally just said, say it. And you said, yep. I don't know that I said that. Yes, you specifically. did. Everyone that listens back to the podcast, you heard him say it. You said all rookie first team would not have shocked you. No, not shocked me. I don't know if I tweeted it. No, yes, but on this podcast just now, you said that if he made yeah, all right. before. That's absolutely correct. I'd still be a little surprised if he made it just because he's going to have trouble playing enough. My main reason why I would have predicted he wasn't is because I was not expecting Blake Griffin to miss the entire season. The Pistons to get injured so much that he's playing 30 minutes a game. Right? Because right now it legitimately looks like he's going to play like 30 minutes a game the rest of the way, right? So the main reason that I would not... Okay, so... The main reason that I would have been shocked if you told me Sekou Dumboya is going to make first-team NBA would be because it's like, well, Blake Griffin and Markeith Morris are on the roster. So 
and Tony Snell's on the roster, and Luke Kennard's on the roster, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. so I'm not sure that he's going to be able to get more than a few minutes. So actually, if you told me that, you know what I would have said? Blake Griffin must have missed the entire season, basically, and Sekou Dumboya was forced into early minutes. All right, man. Okay. So, I guess from a certain perspective, yeah, I would, I would, it, I would end up being shocked if he made first team all rookie, just because I would not have expected him to play enough for it. But given how things have broken out, no. If you told me Seku is going to be forced to play thirty minutes a night, no, I would not be shocked by that. Here, I'm looking for the tweets. I'm gonna look it up. No, it's fine. No, Just I'm go looking ahead. it up. We, good night, everybody. It was a fun podcast. Nope, nope, nope. we're waiting. We're waiting. You can get off if you want, Koo. I'm just going to talk mad crap about him then. Nice. I'm going to go ahead and peace out. Okay, I'm going to just talk mad crap about you after you leave. Go go ahead. Everyone, anyone, and anybody who agrees with Joe and will try to tell me that they thought that Seiku would be, after his first nine game, would would be third in the rookie ladder and, and... and all rookie first team and have national media tweeting about him saying, well, how did we miss him being this? If you told me that's what you saw from Seiku in his rookie year, you can go ahead and pass me the crack pipe that, that you're trying to get because that's just, no, get the hell on somewhere. Good night, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and get about nope, here. No, nope, no, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. All right, Koo. January 2. I'm... F- for what it's worth, I've been away, so I haven't said it, but I'm fully behind Seiku getting full NBA minutes. Way too good for the G League already. Needs to start learning to beat guys with skill instead of just being the best athlete on the floor. Needs NBA minutes. He can do things on the floor already. He can shoot threes, and he can cut. He's ready to contribute even if he has rookie mistakes. Joe, where in, okay, where in that tweet did you say that he was going to come out here and look like third on the rookie of the year chase and and all rookie first team type of play he could have done everything that you're saying and still just been a, a would have been like a struggling player he could be showing signs of all the stuff you just said but he's not just showing signs of that stuff he's playing legit really well it's not like those little rookie things like when you said bruce earlier bruce was I showing mean, us three and I D still, after this little project still, it's still kind it's of not is, projection with like still, he's already I mean, doing it cool it's still kind of is like He's a mess when he has the ball in his hands. He fouls way too much on defense and occasionally gets got. Like, it's not like he's playing that wild. I think maybe that's the issue. I think maybe you think that people think he's playing better than he has been. No, The reason that what he's been doing is so impressive is because he's 19. I didn't didn't say I think he's out here doing ISO moves and one mixtapes. But just because he cut in... Cut well in the G. Just because he did that doesn't mean that he was going to be able to come to the NBA. And cut well, cut? finish. He's done a couple finishes through contact. Why would you not think he'd be able to finish through contact? He's a great what? athlete. He's a great athlete. He's always been a good finisher. All that right, was man. literally oh, okay. right. his okay. ability Goodbye. to finish right. in traffic. That was abund- That was abundantly clear even already in summer league. That was billed as one of his best assets coming in. Okay, he's got really soft touch around the rim, and he's long and a good athlete. That was literally okay. like. On okay. his draft report, on his scouting reports, one of the the one thing on offense that people Yo, were like, even before, even even this away. is what I'm saying though, Koo, okay, even before we were like, oh, he's actually already got a shot figured out. Oh, he's already got this other stuff figured out. People were already like, he's going to be able to finish because he's got good touch around the rim and he's a really good athlete, right? 
It's like Bruce Brown is a good athlete, but he's got horrible touch around the rim. Luke Kennard has good touch around the rim, but he's not a good athlete, right? That was the one thing, even before I saw him play actual basketball games, it was like, oh, he's more ready in a lot of this other stuff than I thought he was. That I was already like, he's going to be able to finish at the hoop. Right, man. So it just, I'm not sure why any of this would... If you watched him play in the G League, this shouldn't Yo, shock you. it has you. nothing to do. Just because you do it in the G League does not mean it would translate like it has to the NBA. I And I thought it would. And you don't There's some guys that I think that. it would and some guys that I don't. I think that and it would for Todd Withers. I don't think that it would for Michael Bethea Jr. Okay? You know what? You want, you want to know what, Koo? You want to know another guy? Same thing that I called this with. I watched Reggie Bullock play a single G League game. Oh, here we go. And I was so like, Joe, this go. dude now is going to be able to play. That he saw Reggie Bullock being the exact player he is. He knew it from the first. I so did. Joe, cool. I guess you okay, just, cool. I guess you should be the cool. GM. You just cool. see everything. I can literally pull up the first game recap I ever wrote when they first got Reggie Bullock of his first preseason game he played in. I literally, I can pull this up. I've got this receipt. Okay. And you said and you said that Reggie Bullock was okay. going to be the player he was for the Pistons. Absolutely. All right. Okay. That I'm G League game. Okay. Goodbye. Cool. And you can attest to this. I've got I've got a game worn jersey from Reggie Bullock. From yes. When he played in Grand Rapids. Okay. When you because I won a raffle for it and I got to see him. I told him, you keep playing your game, man. You're gonna make it. Like you're gonna be good. You're gonna make this. I told him so that. Joe, dead you ass. You also serious. see Giannis becoming MVP. Too. No, I didn't look. I'm wrong sometimes, but. It's not as simple as, well, everybody who cuts and shoots threes in the G League is going to make it. There's guys that I've totally been wrong on about. Okay? Like, I thought I thought Michael Benajay would make it. And he never played at all. Okay? Right? Right? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, I continued to hold on some belief that Darren Hilliard would be something in the NBA because the, he was so see, impressive in the go. G League, right? So I've had some of these that I've been wrong about. I'm more than willing to admit that, okay? There's a decent number of dudes. There's dudes I thought were going to be better than they were. There's dudes like the main one that I always think of for this, the guy that I didn't, Kawhi Leonard. I just did not see it with him for so long. People kept saying, this guy's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a superstar. And I was kind of like, he's good, but let's pump the brakes. I don't think that he's going to be a superstar. And then eventually it was like, okay, he's a superstar. And there was nothing. that The year that... um. The I guess what was effectively his last year with the Spurs, where they won like sixty games and he was incredible, right? That was the year that I was finally like, okay, I was wrong about this because I believe so strongly that he, I didn't think he was going to, right? Like I've had plenty of these that I'm wrong about. Absolutely, okay. So I'm not trying to say that I I always see this coming. I'm just saying like there are some guys that I that I think I see it with. There's some guys that I don't. I saw it with Seku. I thought he was going to be able to do it. And guess what, Ku? If he ends up going on, like, not just while well, he goes on a bit of a rookie slump for a while, and, you know, like, if he, like, totally goes in the tank and he finishes the season shooting 20% from three or something like that, then guess what? You'll be able to come on here and go, Joe, you're a fucking idiot. I'll be prepared. And I'll be like, look, I thought that I didn't think he would shoot that poorly. The way he right, shot I'll in the G prepared, League, yeah. I thought it would work, okay? So I'm not saying, oh, herder, I'm smart. I'm still sticking my neck out. Like you said, it's only nine games. It's entirely possible this goes the other way. 
I'm just saying, this looks like what he showed in the G League. And okay, I think Ryan, that okay, I think I don't think that it will stay exactly like this. His efficiency will probably drop some. I'll guess his efficiency will probably end up somewhere. Um, if you want to try and keep track of this somehow, I won't go too wide, so I'm not cheating. We'll say I would guess his efficiency stays above 55 percent true shooting percentage. Okay, so on January 19th, yep, Joe okay. is saying Joe is saying that he's putting his neck out that Seiku will continue to be good. And okay, he'll here, finish I'll above just say it, okay. Okay, I'll just I'll just say a stat line. Okay. All right, go ahead. So, and this is assuming that, right? I reserve the right to annul this if he like suffers an injury. Um, that means potentially, so like if he has some sort of like shoulder issue, even if he plays yeah. through it. Okay, that sort of thing. Okay. So, assuming he continues to play more or less the same role, it's so like for instance. Okay, so like let's just say that they do trade Derrick Rose and Andre Drummond. And so his point guard the rest of the year is Bruce Brown. Obviously, he's going to have less open threes, right? We can agree on that? Yep. Okay. But let's just assume more or less things stay the same. He plays us about the same amount of minutes, same-ish role. I will stick my neck out and say his three-point percentage will stay above 35. His true shooting percentage will stay above 55%. And... Um, let's see. What is he averaging as a starter right now? Because his overall averages are a little bit skewed because he had a few games where he got in and played for like two minutes. So as a starter right now, he's averaging 14 points and five rebounds per game, playing 30 minutes. So as long as that minutes number stays about the same, I'll predict that his points will not drop below 12, and I'll also predict his rebounding is going to go up. Okay, all right. So okay. There you have it. So there you go. So that's what I've stuck out my neck on, right? All right? So I'm not saying right. I'm a genius. I'm saying, yes, this did, this has not shocked me. Okay, that's fair. Right? I would be a little surprised if he kept up exactly the pace he's been at all so far, if he kept that up all season, right? I'll be a little surprised if he was that, right? I'm a little surprised he hit the ground running like this. But there's nothing about this that has been like, oh my gosh, I just did not see that coming. Because it's exactly what he did in the G League. All right, man. So, now I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here. No, you don't. You don't want to go anywhere. The kind of fight just started. We have to get this done with. Okay, but so, just just for the record here, Koo, okay? G League stats. Sekou Dumboya in 15 games. 17 points. Six rebounds per game. He shot. 38% from three, true shooting percentage, 63%. Sounds an awful lot like his NBA stats, huh? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.